Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, today, before we begin, I do want to remind you that there is a website that's associated with this podcast called WealthFormula.com. That is where there's all sorts of goodies waiting for you to log into. Uh, lots of free downloads there. And it's also the place where you will go if you want to sign up or are accredited investor group. If you are an accredited investor and you want to go through that onboarding process and potentially be involved with some deal flow. Again, that is only for accredited investors. And then the other thing that you might consider, especially after these kinds of podcasts that we've been doing recently, is the uh, Wealth Formula Network, which is our private community. Um, that it starts out with a course called Your uh, Roadmap to Real Wealth. And then that gives you the fundamentals in which you can then deploy into some higher level conversations with other members through our Facebook group and also our live Zoom video conferences bi-weekly. And uh, those are just really good opportunities for you to get more involved, get uh, more learning, peer learning, et cetera. So anyway, check that out. If you're interested in that group, it's wealthformularoadmap.com. Now it's for today. I got to tell you a story, a story about the purple pill, as I call it. In June of 2008, I had just completed my surgical residency and gotten married the day after graduation. Now, uh, I'm not married anymore, but there was already quite a bit of change in my life at this point. Uh, on the way back from that honeymoon, I looked for something to read at that Puerto Vallarta airport. And as you can imagine, not many choices for reading. That's not exactly the type of place you go if you really want to get some, you know, some highly intellectual stuff. Most people heading back stateside are really just too hungover. To read on the plane. So bare minimum stuff, you know, there's a shelf, there's like three books available there. And two of them have a picture of some buff dude, uh, long flowing hair. And it's mostly for, you know, like the romance novels, that kind of thing. And then there was this one book called the Cash Flow Quadrant. And of course, the author there uh, was and is uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Now, I read that book on the plane and I've said it before, if you heard me talk about this, I give Robert Kiyosaki a lot of credit for this. But when I read that book, I was never the same again. And in my opinion, it was for the better. Although some may argue in my life that that unleashed the entrepreneurial uh, demon in me and, and uh, that, you know, maybe that wasn't such a good thing for everybody around me. Anyway, I've heard lots of stories like these, though. It's not just me. 
You know, it's really incredible, right? And that's why I've been calling this the purple pill as of late. And to this day, I'm not quite sure what exactly it is about those books. I mean, the concepts in them are pretty simple, right? But there's something about the way that Robert explains these concepts that really inspire people, uh, that really makes them get it. There's a simplistic nature of this stuff. Even though Robert is a really, really, really smart dude, he does. He likes to play dumb, but he's really smart. But for some reason, he just can get the point across. And to this day, I will say, and I, again, got to give the guy credit, I am quite sure that he's been the impetus behind more millionaires around the world than any other individual, maybe in history. I don't know who else has given so many people some crazy inspiration like he has to go off and be entrepreneurs. Anyway, the funny thing is that some of those concepts that resonated with me, like cash flow, for example, well, they were nothing new. In reality, my dad, who's been in real estate uh, for now, gosh, 55, 60 years, something like that, he used to call himself a cash flow investor. I used to ask him, I remember, what do you look for when you look in these apartment buildings? Like I cared what he was looking for because I didn't really pay much attention to what he was doing. I just knew the phone was ringing off the hook and he was a classic landlord. And he'd say, cash flow. And that was well before uh, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book that was written uh, in the late 90s. Cash flow, he said. And I ignored him. Anyway, uh, the point is that sometimes it's not about what is said, but about how it's said that matters, or maybe who says it, because they make it sound more compelling or more understandable or give it some meaning. And that's why I think having a community of like-minded individuals matters, because sometimes one book, like the Cashflow Quadrant, can send you down a rabbit hole, right? It can just a lightning bolt. It was for me it was a lightning bolt. And all of a sudden you're like, "Aha! Now what? Now what? I don't know what to do now. Who are the people who are doing stuff like me, like like I've just been inspired to do? Now I don't even know what to do. I know this is a great idea, but I don't know what to do." Well, anyway, after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, Ryan Steig set out on a journey to figure out how to make sense of it all, you know, after his purple pill experience. And part of that journey led him to Wealth Formula and the Wealth Formula community and ultimately to Wealth Formula Network. So on this week's Wealth Formula podcast, this is number three in the series of three of one-on-one Wealth Formula Journey podcasts. Ryan takes us down the path of a W-2 wage earner towards his trajectory, which looks like it's going to end up uh, being as a full-time investor, probably not that long, knowing Ryan. Anyway, we will have Ryan's story when we come back. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. 
The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, we have episode number three of our sort of real investors of Wealth Formula County uh, type uh, shows here where we're basically talking to, you know, real investors in our group, people in our community, our Wealth Formula community who are going through their own personal financial journeys. And it's been really fun. Today, we have uh, another member of Wealth Formula Network. He's basically in our investor club, very active investor there, and obviously a listener of our group. His name is Ryan Stieg. Ryan, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. Thanks, Buck. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, great. So, Ryan, let's do this. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about where you started in terms of your financial journey and, and kind of give us, uh, and I'll interrupt very at various times like I do, to kind of probe a little bit more. Sure. Well, I'll try not to go all the way back and, and I'll try and try and fast forward through the parts that are a little slow. Yeah. But You can leave the prenatal parts out if you want. <laughs> all right. We'll okay. skip forward a couple of years then. So, <laughs> So I was uh, I was blessed with uh, with a dad who was a business owner and and an entrepreneur and owned real estate through uh, through some of the businesses that that he had and so I had a little bit of an indication of you know that entrepreneurial spirit and mm-hmm. and uh, when I got to high school I thought I was going to be a financial planner that was that was my goal I was going to college and for a couple of different reasons it just didn't really feel like that was where i needed to go and in the middle of college i picked up that little purple book that is referenced pretty much on yeah. every podcast across the, this side of the i think we just call sphere, it so. the purple pill from now on the purple, purple pill. pill all right i think all that right. really is probably ca- captures it don't you think it's like oh, you absolutely. go down the you take the purple purple pill and you go down you, that you take group. the purple pill and then you <laughs> adapt from what you learn from it so exactly yeah. So uh, after I read that, I was inspired. I thought, hey, man, this is this is where I'm headed and reached out to a local real estate investor in Phoenix, uh, where I lived at the time. And he said, oh, if you've read that book, you're my guy. You've got the same mindset I do. Let's go. And so I uh, worked on and off with him for about a year or so. And as as life goes, I needed a paycheck and was done with college. And so yeah. I went down the traditional W-2 route and Started on a 401k and... Now, wait a and, second. You started it as a real estate agent or... No, I oh. was just working with him as, okay. as as the purple pill says. Right. Learn to earn. Learn to earn. earn sure. Learn to earn. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so worked with him for a little bit and then I got into the mortgage industry, started plugging money away into a 401k and I met another guy uh, who was investing in real estate. And I go, okay, now I got I to gotta dig into this a little more or again... And so, uh, eventually learned a little bit from him and where he was headed. And, uh, my wife and I bought our first house, uh, and closed on it. I think that the day the market started to crash in Phoenix. So, uh, we eventually moved back to Montana where we're from and, uh-huh. uh, I became an accidental landlord. And so held on to that property and life kind of moved on for a couple of years. Yeah. And one day a friend of mine asked, you know, what are you doing in finance? I know that that's an interest of yours. What are you doing? And 
and I hadn't really done anything active for a couple mm. of years. So I thought, man, I, I really don't feel qualified to answer these questions anymore. So I got into the the podcast sphere, trying to catch up and, and learn yeah. what I what I was interested in a long time ago and hadn't really kept up on. So um, one of those podcasts that I stumbled across was a guy named Buck Joffrey and Wealth oh, Formula. I've heard of him. And, I've heard of him. Shady yeah, character. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As you say, a charlatan, right? <laughs> no, right. no, not at all. Um, you and, and a couple others were podcasts that I really dug into and became a regular listener, uh, not quite all the way back, but as far back as I can remember in probably 16 or so. And so that's really where I started to to get back into finance and, and put into place some of the things that uh, were were introduced in the Purple Pill. And so through uh, through a journey of, of turnkeys and eventually... Uh, you know, getting into the syndication mm-hmm. uh, syndication line. Uh, one of the things that happened as I started investing in turnkeys was I had a conversation with my wife and I said, you know what, here's the number of turnkey properties we're going to have to buy to, to replace our income. Mm. And it seemed scalable. Yeah, unscalable. it seems silly. It seems silly. Yeah. Right. So kind of hit pause on that. And where it really turned is is being able to see the scalability Obviously, it takes time, but the scalability of getting into into passive real estate syndications and and uh, Western Wealth was was the first one I got into through an introduction through you and and uh, and that's kind of where where it headed from there. So that's that's how I got to where I am right now, anyway, as as far as when it turned. So let me ask you this: We keep joking about the purple pill, the purple pill, and, it, and some people might actually not know what we're talking about, and we're we're really yeah. talking about the books from Robert Kiyosaki now. I'm sure for Ryan, I'm guessing it's a rich dad, poor dad. Yep. Uh, for yep. me, it happened to be, and I think it's just because I was in, you know, a, a, an airport in Puerto Vallarta, and I had no idea who the guy was, and it was either that or some romance novel. Um, you know, it was like that one guy back in the '90s with the long hair. I can't remember his name, but. Was it? I don't know. Whatever. He was on that. Um, so I picked up this book and, and mine actually ended up being the cash flow quadrant, which I think actually was probably more appropriate for what I was, uh, where I was at in my life. I just finished mm-hmm. residency. But let me ask you this. When you read that, when we talk about the purple pill, was that feeling that you had after reading that? Because I've talked to a lot of people, I've experienced it myself. For me, I've always described it as sort of a lightning bolt or an awakening of, you know, not just about real estate, but just about like entrepreneurial activity and and just being free financially and all that. So what what exactly was it when you read that book that changed? You know, I think it was probably the the fact that I was headed down that financial planner route, the traditional route, mm-hmm. as we say, traditional versus the alternative space. And, and yeah. we can we can talk about that all day long. Sure. But uh, you know, it took me years to put into practice, but what what it introduced to me is uh, is the cash flow uh, accumulation versus just the accumulation. You know, buying stocks, hold them forever, wait till you're 65, and then mm-hmm. turn it into turn it into a small uh, small stream of income that you can pull off of that that stack of cash that you've accumulated forever. And hopefully, and so, you don't outlive it. And right. hopefully you yeah, don't yeah. outlive it. Yeah. And so, really, the the thing that flipped for me is is turning a cash flow approach versus just an accumulation approach. Mm-hmm. And you know, he introduces a, a bunch of different stuff in the book, but that was probably the thing that 
it really flipped for me is, Got it. is going down that way. Now, one thing too, that I think it's important to, uh, to talk about, and, and, um, it made me think of this when you talked about sort of the, um, you know, how many houses do we have to get kind of thing to replace our income? One of an, another similar question, Ryan, that I got from an investor one time was, wow, I, you know, I make a half million bucks a year and I'm doing the math here. And, you know, it's basically if I'm going to be just looking at cash flow where I'm going to have to invest, I don't know, seven, eight million bucks, right? That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of money to invest for somebody who is making a half million dollars a year and probably paying a chunk of that into taxes. And so that was one of the things that I remember thinking, gosh, there's, there's, you know, that purple stuff. You're right on one point, but the author of the purple books himself does things differently. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's introduced that through concepts with Kenny McElroy, right? So Robert yep. Kiyosaki talks about Ken, Kenny McElroy. Ken always talks, you know, talks about refinancing, get people's money out. Now, his model has been different than when you were talking about Western Wealth Capital. It's not quite like, you know, turn them quite so fast and, you know, do that kind of thing. It's more like a hold forever. But the concept of velocity became very clear in that. And so the idea then is that you don't have to you know, pull off $8 million of investments in order to get that cash flow that you want someday. But what you do need to do if you're going to think about having those kinds of cash flows is you really need to figure out how you're going to recycle the capital in and out of multiple opportunities. Did you did you have that kind of uh, an aha moment too during this? Because I'm, I'm guessing that that's probably part of what has drawn you you know, to, to the Western wealth capital model that you mentioned? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And so early on, my thought was let's, let's go for growth and, and, you know, eventually turn that velocity around, like you say, right. whether it's a refinance or a disposition of that asset, let's reinvest that capital and, and increase that velocity. And that's the formula for, for wealth formula. Right. right. Um, but, uh, thing that changed for me too is that you know I'm right now I'm transitioning out of my W2 mm -hmm. and I'm transitioning into an entrepreneurial role and Wait, remind me what's your W2 now uh insurance okay insurance okay. so yeah. uh so kind of a little bit back to that I was in a family owned insurance agency my my father started mm -hmm. and so we've transitioned and sold that that agency and so Right now, uh, I'm transitioning out of the, the role of the agency that I work for, uh, work for now. So, um, so one of the things that changed for me is it used to be growth only. You know, hey, I don't, I don't need the income, the cash flow. Let's, let's go for growth. And now I've transitioned to having more of a balance of both growth and income so that there, there is that healthy balance of, of having both sides of it while increasing that velocity on, on the the dispositions or refinances with mm -hmm. Western wealth and, and other syndicators that I've invested with. Right. Right. You know, that, because that's a challenging thing. Um, and especially when you're starting from nothing, like if you've got no cash flow whatsoever now, and if you're thinking you're going to try to replace your income and it's just like, you know, it's just like a mountain that you have to climb, but you have to take that first step. But yeah, I mean, that's, our switch, I think, largely had to do with that idea of how do you accelerate this process and, you know, create a lot more 
principal or a lot more, you know, um, uh, create that bigger stash. So at some point you can, I don't know, buy a, uh, buy a Walgreens or do whatever you need to, to get your five or 6% and have a ton of uh, cash flow. So, you know, so you're transitioning out of this business. So what's your life like now when it, in terms of you're looking at, I know you are involved now and in getting into a franchise opportunity. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what that is, or, you know, as much as you want about that to tell us and, you know, why you decided to do that. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that I've, I've taken from the, the, the Buck School of Wealth Formula is uh, uh, last year you had a guest on a name, Kim Daly. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I reached out to her and I thought, you know, hey, that's that's another passive stream of income that I can build up while I'm still working. Yep. And and kind of it naturally came to a point where I felt a, a need to go do something different. And so I started the transition out of my W-2, which I'm still working at right now. And we, we bought into a franchise uh, through Kim Daly. And so I've, I've kind of always had that entrepreneurial bug to have something going. And so uh, it's, a, it's a really great opportunity now. We're still very early on in, in our pre-sale process, but it's an opportunity for me to involve my kids, uh, for me to involve uh, family. And so it's, it's something that we can look to grow and build from, from scratch, but it's also another income opportunity that I have uh, in order to uh, add on to what I have on the passive side through syndications. Mm-hmm. And so really it's, it was meant to be a bridge, uh, but now it's going to be uh, uh, the main focus that I have as a transition out of my W2 while working to continue building uh, my, my passive income streams through different investments. Do you consider yourself right now um, as you transition out of your W2, essentially a, you know, a full-time investor then? You know, that's, that's, uh, eventually the goal. Um, and, and I'll, I'll take a little bit of a tangent here. One of the things that came out of uh, your group is, is a relationship with, uh, with some other wealth formula network members. And so, uh, back at the very first meeting, I met Dr. Ian Kurth, uh, and he was, uh, we all, we all know inside the group, we all know Ian, he's been on the podcast now, but I also met a, a guy named Jim Piper and he is, uh, he was on a recent episode too as a, as a wealth formula <laughs> guest. Uh, and he and I connected uh, at the very first meetup down in Phoenix and we kept a conversation going and we have, uh, we have since uh, formed a tribe. Tribe Vest is another thing that came, that's been presented uh, through, through the podcast. He and I joined a tribe together uh, kind of a, a couple years ago. We thought, you know, these syndications are great, but I want to have diversification. And so, uh, we formed an LLC with five members. And so we're, we were able to invest in more deals rather than having to spread ourselves so thin across fewer deals. And so that was a relationship that Jim and I had. And as we had regular conversations, uh, we said, Hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool if, if we could help build a network and, and educate people about the same things we're doing. And, he said, you know, I'm starting a local group up here. Why don't I introduce you to the guys that I'm working with? And so uh, as, as you were introduced to on, the, on one of the last episodes, uh, I'm one of the co-founders of, of Left Field Investors with Jim, and it's kind of grown out of a, an organic idea of let's just network with other people that are doing the same thing we're doing and all learn together. And so uh, it's, been a, it's been a really fun journey. But uh, to get back to your question, 
Yes, between kind of working with that community and becoming, growing my income streams through passive income. Uh, obviously, I have this uh, this franchise opportunity that'll that'll be a, a dedication to get up and off the ground. Uh, but yes, eventually, I do see myself as becoming a full time in, investor and having, as you do, too, a couple different oper- entrepreneurial uh, endeavors going on at the same time. I I kind of have that 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 desire to yeah. to keep keep going that way too. Yeah, for yep. sure. So, in terms of the franchise stuff, so you know, um, obviously, you have the entrepreneurial bug. I think it's probably worthwhile to talk a little bit about that um, journey as well because. You know, people, I think, think about business ownership. They think about starting a business. They think about buying a business. Um, you know, as long as you're, you've gone down this route, you know, take us, take us down sort of your thought process in terms of why you decided to go down the franchise route. Um, one of the reasons, too, is I know that starting a business from scratch is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so... I looked at different opportunities. Is there an opportunity to buy a business? Is there an opportunity to to start a business? Or as franchises are kind of a uh, a business in a box, and they right. take a lot of those growing pains uh, out of getting a business up and off the ground. And you know, I'm certain we we aren't even open yet. We're still we're still in the pre uh, pre sale phase, but. You know, it's got a lot of the same heartaches that entrepreneurial uh, endeavors do. But what I've found that's been fun for for me anyway is it's kind of like an MBA in a box. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah. all different aspects of business, and and so it kind of gives me uh, expertise and the opportunity to kind of work on all aspects of the business and see it from the ground up. So that's been one of the things that. Now, obviously, it's a lot of work, but it's been it's been a good experience for me so far. And I would argue it's probably better than an MBA. Absolutely, <laughs> because absolutely because here's the thing: is like a lot of people. You know, it's funny people think MBAs like learn business. They don't learn business. They learn how to be managers, and they learn maybe a little bit about finance stuff like that. But they do not teach you, you know, how to be a uh, how to be a business owner. You know, they're they're basically they're basically teaching you things, uh, how to work for other people. And I don't say that in a way to denigrate what an MBA is, but you know, my, my brother's an MBA, smart guy, but no, he's, he's not an entrepreneur. That's not what they taught him. He's like, you know, he was, uh, managing a, a sovereign wealth fund, but that's not, you know, owning the fund or whatever, you know? Um, and what you did, what you're talking about is I think really understanding how to operate learn and operate the components of a business. I think that, that the franchise um, route is an interesting one and, and people should consider talking to Kim Daly. I think you can look her up. How, what is, was her website? It's like the daily something or something. the daily coach, the yep. daily coach. And it's D A L Y Kim's, Kim's, yep. Kim's, Kim's really a good person to talk to about that yeah. stuff if you're interested, but you know, the, the uh, that is something that I think is worthwhile if for people who are going down the business route and who don't have uh, business experience. I was one of those kamikazes, right? Who kind <laughs> of like like I learned just by like completely going out there and uh, having no idea what I'm doing and just saying this is how I do it, and then that's, I'm wrong. This is not how I do it, and just finding out that, but that, that, that's tough, but that's a different personality type too. And I think, uh, for me when I was younger, that's what worked, but check that out. 
um, as well. So you've gone down this journey. I'm curious, you know, go, circling back to the idea of tribe. You know, you have tribe. You have your uh, you have tribe vest, which was uh, another interesting interview we had a while back ago, where it's a company where these guys basically put together. They essentially act as a function to let people invest in LLCs together so they can make their money go farther away because sometimes you know minimums being you know, twenty five or fifty thousand dollars and it'll pretty wipe you out if there's, you know, fifteen deals a year. So it, it allows your money to go a little bit longer. But the idea of tribe vest, um, you know, going deeper into the idea of tribe, uh, which I think is an important concept. I'm curious, um, you know, your experiences through left field investors, through uh, as you mentioned, you're part of Wealth Formula Network. How important or not important, you you tell me, I'm not trying to guide you. Mm-hmm. Have those been uh, to you in your growth, and how so? Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, I'll start first with Wealth Formula Network because I've been a longtime listener. What I've found is I never consider myself uh, an expert in any one of these areas, and so one of the things that is relatable for me to your podcast is the ability to bring it down initially when you're introducing concepts to to anybody who's being introduced for the first time. And next is action. I used to be a guy that was paralysis by analysis. And so I'd stop and I'd wait. But, you know, a couple of things other than what we've mentioned that I've taken from from this network is biweekly calls. I'm not able to be on the calls, but I listen to them. And I've really uh, invested heavily in going down the path of syndications, but also well, formula banking. You've had an episode there where, where we're able to dive deeper into that. But really, the way I see it is I, if I'm surrounding myself with smarter people, you know, you hear the, the concept that you are the summation of the five people you hang around. Well, if I'm surrounding myself with smart people and people who are doing some of the things that I like to and want to do, I'm going to have that incremental learning journey where, you know, I started with with turnkeys and that may not be where I'm headed uh, in the future. But um, then I was introduced to syndications and wealth formula banking and other concepts that I've really tried to see and filter through what works for me and what, what fits my journey and then take action. And, and, you know, I might fail sometimes, but uh, largely over the course of time, it's been, it's been a great network to be a part of. And I've tried to implement the things that work and fit in my journey. How um, much of it do you then, think is yeah. just courage? I think that part of the the value of these, uh, you know, whether it be our, my group or the one that you guys, you and Jim have through Leftfield Investors, is you find a tribe and you see others doing what you think you want to do, and they're actually doing it, and it, it provides a little bit of a courage element as well, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, and you know, we talk about it in Wealth Formula Network, and that's a big part of. Uh, how left field investors started. When Jim and I first met, he was one of the f- one of, if not the first person that I had met who actually invested in the same syndication that I did. You know, as as you talk about too, you know, money and finance and and the things we talk about there, you don't have a lot of those in your in your circle of friends. Yeah. So that's why we find these networks that that do. And so, uh, one of the things that Jim and I connected on is is that that connection on courage of hey, we're both doing the same thing. Let's find other people who are. And he he had organically kind of started uh, that out in Columbus and COVID kind of allowed us to, to explore 
expanding our network outside of Columbus, Ohio, in order to uh, to grow our group. And one of the things I've found with left field investors is it's just a community of like-minded individuals who are trying to learn. We're all in different parts of our journey, and we're just learning from each other. And and that's what I've found. I'm, I never want to be the smartest guy in the room, and I pro- probably never will be. And so I learn <laughs> yeah. something with every yeah. engagement I have with your group and or with, with left field investors. It's just a it's it just gives me that incremental knowledge every time I engage with either one. It's funny because it's almost like you know I remember in in medicine and you know for non non physicians this may sound scary but the but the old uh, the old adage was see one do one teach one <laughs> <laughs> with the emphasis on yeah. one right. Um, right. But uh, but that that's kind of what it sounds like. But it, it in, and what does it feel like to be on sort of the starting the group side of things as opposed to being you know? Do you feel like you're learning more, you know, on that end too? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that is is fun with our group. There's five of us uh, mm-hmm. that are uh, Jim founded it, and there's five of us in that founders group, and we've all got different skill sets. And you know, I've I've learned. Uh, where my weaknesses are, I've learned where my strengths are as it relates to an to to being an investor, and then as the group expands, you just learn so much uh, from uh, from that group. There's people who have have worked with different syndicators that I've never heard of, or there are people who you who are using different strategies that I've never heard of or tried. And so, really, it's just an exploration of people who are doing, and then we just pick and choose what makes sense for us, what makes sense for our journey and what have we not even considered or learned about yet. Yep. Uh, Yeah. I highly encourage that kind of setup. I think it's, it's great, whether it's wealth formula network or just a few of your friends or whatever, uh, check, check that out. I want to leave this show with, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Think of one or two things in the last couple of years, specific things that you have learned either through wealth formula or wealth formula network or, you know, things that we talk about that you think have made the biggest impact, uh, you know, whether it's conceptually or, or whatever, in your personal journey. And I'm asking you this not for because I want a pat on the back, but because <laughs> sometimes it's hard in my position to understand, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there like thinking about this stuff all the time and I forget uh, what things people that are just starting on this journey, like what do they find most useful, most valuable? And I'm trying to like sort of liquidate that down. If you could think of one or two things, tell us, tell us what those are, the lessons or whatever. Lessons learned why you did put me on the spot. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I think one of the things too, is once you flip that switch, whatever that is from conventional wisdom to there's another, there's another path, whether we call it alternative or whatever you want to call it. Once you once you've either been introduced to it or flip that switch mentally, I think that's probably one of the things that I've taken from. You know, there isn't every episode that relates to me or every Wealth Formula mm-hmm. Network call that relates to me, but I'm introduced to different topics that that I can know and understand and learn about. Uh, so I think just having the diversity in what other people are doing in that network of people to collaborate with and learn from is is one of the things, but uh, one of the things that that I'm uh, particularly high on is uh, is wealth formula banking. I think that that goes back to, you know, it's a it's a les- lesson in patience in building uh, in building that framework. 
Uh, but it's also, it, in my mind, it's one of the things that seems simple and probably boring, uh, but it's foundational, I think, in in your investing journey for how you can structure and, and add velocity and add uh, arbitration into your investing path. And so that's one of the things that I've, I've really taken hold of, as well as an introduction to, to syndicators and other people. Uh, really the network is one of the, is probably the third piece or key that I've pulled out of, of the groups that I'm involved with. Because like you said, if you're just on this, you know, on your own and you're not talking to anybody about it because nobody around you has, has the yeah. same interest or desire, uh, you're not probably going anywhere, but I've grown exponentially by being part of the networks uh, than I ever would have on my own. Are you coming to Dallas? I've got it penciled in on my calendar. <laughs> I've got to move a couple of things, but I'm planning to come to Dallas. Yeah. Yes. Talk about that, what that experience is like. So I know you've been to a couple, right? And this has been, it's been sort of sad that we didn't have a well-formulated meetup, in the, you know, now for almost two years, I think. Yeah. But uh, uh, not, again, not as a plug, but I'm, but this is an experience I try to explain to people. It's not really just about the information, but the types of people you meet and the connections you make at that, that kind of event. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, you know, Ian Kurth was literally the first person I met in the lobby. <laughs> he and I kind of recognized each other uh, from yeah. calls or from the Facebook group or whatever. So he yeah. was the first person that I met. Uh, and obviously he's, he's kind of the, the him and Jerry are kind of the quote unquote the mascots poster, of our group. poster boys, right? Post, the poster boys. <laughs> uh, so I, I use that as an example, along with Jim, uh, those are uh, two people that I met on the very first time. And I've, you know, I've, I've had a relationship with them since, but I think really what the meetups do is yes, it, you know, there are great speakers. I met Tom Wheelwright and Kenny McElroy and several others that you hear, you know, mm-hmm. uh, across, across the podcasts and, and the books and, and stuff mm-hmm. that they have, but the, the networking is, is really where it, changes even if you're part of the wealth formula network yeah. group and calls that's one form of engagement but personal one-on-one uh, or group networking down at those events uh, is is really key as well as if you know i was an investor in, in uh, western wealth deals before i went mm-hmm. uh, but the tours there really take you through the visual of what you see in an email or or uh, the updates to making it real life and talking to Tim or Dave and understanding the process. Uh, if you're an investor in that, it really takes it to another level. So, yeah, no, it's good stuff. And I'm looking forward to it. And it's also nice, you know, because Tim McCleary's out there buying drinks for everybody, especially after, <laughs> especially after he has one or two himself, he's, uh, he's out there. He becomes sort of the mother Teresa of uh, beer and uh, <laughs> he's buying everybody's stuff. So anyway, it's great to have you on, Ryan. Um, and, and, you know, we'll uh, love to see what's happening with you. Obviously, I get to connect with you every couple of weeks on these calls. But, uh, you know, I'm curious what will happen with all these franchises. Keep, keep us uh, in the know on that. And, and when your experience really kind of comes to fruition, we should have you back on and talk about it some more. Sure. Love to. All right, well, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. And that was a third in a, a series of three of individual one-on-one investors. Next week, we're going to have something 
that is somewhat similar, but you'll have three investors, including Ryan, on there. And we're going to talk a little bit about wealth formula banking because it seems like everybody we've talked to has had, you know, such a positive experience about that. So we're going to focus on just that with a few different investors. And that should be fun. But in the meantime, if you like this, if you, uh, you know, if you liked what you heard, hopefully you got something out of it. I'm going to go back to that same point. Consider joining a like-minded investor group doesn't have to be wealth formula network but we're happy to have you and if you're interested in doing that go and check it out wealthformularoadmap.com that's it for me this week on wealth formula podcast this is buck joffrey signing out thank you for listening to the wealth formula podcast visit us on the web at wealthformula.com the information contained in this podcast are opinions not fact as always consult your own financial team before making any investment See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.